Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Mind Shifters Radio with the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice. I'm Jeannie Rice, your co-host. We also have co-hosts Dr. Tim Hayes and Michelle Pichet. We will share with you the wisdom of the first century Aramaic internal process of forgiveness. We offer tools and support five days a week. We will support you in building a solid foundation within yourself to live in pure love in Aramaic, Brachma. Michael is the author of the book, Why Is This Happening to Me Again? For more information about the forgiveness process, please visit www.whyagain.org. And now, welcome to the show, Mind Shifters Radio. Hello and welcome to Mind Shifters Radio. I'm Tim Hayes. I'm your host for the first hour. And today is Friday, February 23rd, 2024. As always, we're grateful to everyone who's joining us here today, whether you're listening live or through the archives, as we spend another couple of hours teaching and supporting people in using some of the most powerful, effective, efficient, and accessible tools I've ever encountered. These tools are available absolutely free through the tireless efforts of Dr. Michael and Jeannie Rice on the website at whyagain.org. That's all I'm going to say today by way of introduction for Mindshifters Radio because it's in every, every episode we've had so far. But today we have two guests. I believe I'm turning on the microphone for Dr. David Gruder. Are you there, sir? I am here. Welcome. Can you and, hear me? Um, is Lori's um, area code eight five eight? Yes. All right. Turning on the microphone for Lori Morse. Lori Morse and David Gruder are a husband and wife couple based in San Diego, California. They ho- co-host the The One Thing podcast. Both are best-selling authors who are deeply versed in a wide range of traditions that teach versions of what has been called perennial wisdom. Their calling is to equip individuals, couples, leaders, and influencers to transcend from homo sapiens into homo spiritus, human spirits who act as conduits for higher love and wisdom to catalyze the co-creation of heaven on earth. Lori is a master health mentor and licensed acupuncturist who directs the Sacred Health Academy. Dr. David is an integrative psychologist who directs the Center for Enlightened Self-Sovereignty. They are also co-developing a Sacred Partners Academy. This is for couples and business partners who are committed to embodying homo spiritus consciousness in their relationship and in what they co-create together. Welcome, David and Lori. Thank you, Tim. Thank you. Glad to be with you. I was prompted to ask you to join us today because of uh, listening to the One Thing podcast, specifically the one on evil. And there were just so many overlapping themes that we talk about and uh, similarities in the work we're doing that I thought, if they're willing, let's get these two people on Mindshifters Radio to talk about their 
particular take on all the things that MindShifters Radio tries to promote and teach and work with. Mm-hmm. So thank you for yeah. agreeing to be here. Of course. Our pleasure. Take it away. We're happy to talk about yeah. anything <laughs> that is of interest to your uh, listeners. A hundred percent. Well, you know, one of the things that you did in that particular episode, and I, I let um, Dr. David know that I had listened to several of them, but in that particular episode about evil, the, the, the themes that resonate so clearly are the the work that's done on MindShifters Radio and in the MindShifter support groups and with the Reality Management Worksheet, this is work that's informed by translation work from the oldest known copy of the New Testament, directly from the ancient Aramaic into English. And in that work, there are definitions for words like sin that are very similar to what you talk about. It's just it means energy that's off the mark. And evil meaning what is unripe. There are two fundamental meanings for the word evil from the ancient Aramaic. One is unripe, and the other one is way off target. So if you're shooting at the target and you miss the bullseye, the scorekeeper might yell sin. You're you're not on target, readjust and take another shot. If you miss the target altogether, they would yell evil. So Mm. it isn't this moral issue. It isn't somebody with a red suit, a tail and a pitchfork running around (laughs) outside of us, you know, seducing people it is energy that's off the mark and it's the the other ancient aramaic word or the root of the word satan is sata which means to slide fall or cut off and it essentially is a an individual cut off from themselves or in yes. denial of some part of themselves or the the the, the full definition that dr michael rice likes to use is satan the definition from the ancient Aramaic is the resistor, one who misleads. And you talked about almost all of these things in your episode on evil and how important it is to recognize that it's just energy misapplied Mm -hmm. or misdirected. And the last thing I'll bring up is that David was talking about it. It makes me think that David has read the book People of the Lie, is that yes. a familiar book to you? Very familiar author, to me. By the author of The Road Less Traveled. So this idea that I, as a human being, just a normal, average, normal, everyday human being, will only do evil things as I'm running away from my own pain, fear, or sadness that I just don't feel equipped or willing to deal with. Yes. So well, take it on. away. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Well, before uh, before we plunge into this, I just want to honor and acknowledge that what you were saying about the overlaps between the understandings from the Aramaic version of the Old Testament and uh, and what Lori and I are saying about evil, it's a reflection of what you mentioned about us embracing perennial wisdom, that there are certain wisdom teachings that cut across most, if not all, of the main 
spiritually oriented traditions around the world, and this is no exception. So I just wanted to frame our discussion of this around that broader picture. Lori, do you want to weigh in on this first? Or? Um, well, I have a lot of things to say. <laughs> so, <laughs> we both do. <laughs> yeah. That's why so, we have honey, why don't, Yeah, why don't you go? Because I don't know if you were wanting to uh, springboard off the people of the lie, um, and then I can, I can weigh in after you. Sure. Well, what I will say about people of the lie is that I read this book, uh, it's by M. Scott Peck, so you're right, Tim, the same author as the classic book, The Road Less Traveled. And I loved the People of the Lie book because Scott Peck was one of the few psychologists who had the courage to tackle the psychological dimensions of evil at that time. Uh, And I was just really thrilled about that. And what I've noticed is that since he wrote that book, which was in what, the 1980s, 1990s, somewhere in that time frame, uh, I haven't seen other books from psychologists on evil. And uh, I think, I think it's a hot potato in the psychology field, speaking as a recovering psychologist myself. And I'm sure you can verify that too, Tim, that in psychology, we don't talk about evil enough. Would you agree with that, Tim? Absolutely. And, and that there are, you know, hot potato topics that unless you're courageous and willing to get, suffer the slings and arrows, you just stay away from them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so uh, before I uh, turn this over to, to you, Lori, the, the framing that I want to offer around this, this notion of being unripe and way off target is that I think important to that discussion has to do with motivation because there, there are things that I refer to as loving mistakes where I have a loving intention and a mistaken expression and the mistaken expression of that loving intention ends up being off target or way off target sometimes. There are expressions of evil that are actually unconsciously overdriven by a wound structure that uh, basically even vetoes loving mistakes where, uh, where we're, we're driven to have negative impact because of our own unfinished business. And then there is evil that is intentionally motivated, where the person is, is intending to do harm on a conscious level. So I think it's important to distinguish between those three manifestations of what we're calling evil. Lori? Yeah, I would agree with that. And I assume you correct me if I'm wrong, Tim, that most of the mind shifters are good hearted people looking to shift their energy to be more in alignment with life than not versus choosing to be evil. Correct? Exactly. Okay. So I love all the things you said about uh, the translation work. And so I'm going to riff off of that and sort of create what I believe evil to be. Um, 
something that's hidden in plain sight <laughs> to try to get all of our attentions, uh, you know, for, for, for good. And that's the idea that the, the meaning of Satan is being cut off. So I, I see our original wound as human beings, uh, the, the disconnection from the source of all life. And what we call that, you know, is less important than that we call it something, you know, whether it's source or spirit or higher wisdom or, you know, the universe. And it's exquisitely important that we relate to that energy, that consciousness, that, that higher presence of life as deeply personal and universal, right? And I think a lot of people miss the, the, the two sides of that coin. And I love what you said about the meaning of evil being unripe, because the big lie if we want to talk about lies, is that we, you know, we drop into this maze, let's just call it a matrix. Others have called it a matrix. And there's a lot of programmed beliefs in this matrix. And what if our our purpose of life is to walk ourselves around this matrix, this maze, if you will, and it's a treasure hunt in order to discover, you know, that which is beyond the lie, right? That we're worthy, we're whole, we are you know, we can't be in this body and having this earthly experience without being connected to something that's greater than us. And that the work, the shift for our minds is to literally walk our humanity, our homo sapiens self, into our homo spiritus self or our divinity or our sacred self and to close that gap. And, and, and then that creates energy that is more in alignment than off the mark. And I believe that our, you know, what we're seeing in the world, the division, the, you know, the hate, the war, they're projections of our own consciousness. And I, I think that evil is often thought of as something so terrible and so not us that we put it in this category and we kind of turn our back to it and close our eyes and go on about our business. But, and we did say this in the podcast, it's my understanding that evil is nothing more than energy that's been built up and that it's our it's our invitation to just do our own work around that which is dark energy right shadow energy if you will and and we have everything we need we ha- we have all the capacity we need okay maybe we have to look for support and techniques and ways to do that but it's possible, and people don't believe it's possible. So I'm, I'm wanting to really put forth a strong invitation to listeners that not only is it, is it possible, it's our job. Mm-hmm. And I want to piggyback on, well, lots of what you said, but specifically uh, about projection, which is that the seduction of projection, especially when people are – uh, are looking on individuals or actions that they judge to be evil. The seduction of projection is that oftentimes when we see quote-unquote evil out in the world, it's not because we've made it up out of whole cloth. There, uh, there may, that may be going on out there, but the, uh, the seduction is to focus on that external evil as a way of sidestepping, dealing with our own off-target energy. And that's where it becomes really problematic because I have found over and over again that when I'm, when I'm dealing with someone who is off-target, um, whether 
intentionally or unintentionally or loving mistake doesn't even matter. When I'm dealing with someone who's off target and I am triggered by their off targetness, I actually accelerate the evil dynamic. And when I am untriggered by their off targetness, I can respond with love, with either uh, the divine masculine version of love, which is challenging without shaming, or the divine feminine version of love, which is nurturing without indulging. And one of the things you said in your podcast that really you know, hit home for me and is right in line with everything we talk about in this work is that when you recognize you're having an internal negative response and your mind is telling you that it's because of this person outside of you who's doing something you judge as evil or off the mark, you have learned to turn to the one thing, what you're calling the one thing, and ask to see it a different way. Ask to transform that energy rather than indulge your own energy of being off the mark and generating negativity or hatred or con- condemnation. Mm-hmm. Exactly, well, Tim. And this is go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, sweetie. Oh, I was just going to share my my favorite four letter word in this situation, which is help. <laughs> It's that surrender. It's that that humble acknowledgement that my ego, my seemingly separated version of self does not know how to see this situation or how to respond from a place of love. And the the word help for me is my reminder to, to reconnect with the one thing so I can be a conduit of higher love and wisdom in responding to a particular person or situation. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, you know, if there's a million things we could all be triggered about. We're not all triggered about the same things, but when we get triggered about whatever it is, whether it's a person or a circumstance happening in the world, then that's just our piece to clean up. And, and it's pretty constant. You know, I agree there's tenacious work here to do, but I, I also believe that we, those of us who are here on the planet chose to be here at, at this point in time in order to do the work. That's why I'm pretty bold about saying it's my job and I, you know, I I see it as any human being's job as well to do that work. Um, It's a, when we turn to the one thing and, and sort of um, surrender, I guess, and become receptive to what else might be going on or how to tend to the peace that's in our face in the moment, uh, that that's where the magic happens. And we can't, I don't, it's my deep opinion it's not even an opinion, it's a knowing that there isn't really a way to do the, the work on the planet without that. Like we've tried. <laughs> we've tried for thousands of years and, and we all we do is keep churning the same energy over and over and okay, now we're in the 21st century and it looks the way it looks and we say it's so terrible, but they were saying that 2,000 years ago too. So it's like when are we going to sort of, uh, I don't know, be willing to try it a different way? And I think what we're talking about here is um, something that is very precious, I know, to both Lori and me, uh, in, and it's basically spiritual self-responsibility, that I and only I am responsible for whether I react to a person or a situation, whether 
you know, an un, undesired or even unacceptable situation uh, in a triggered way or if I respond through connection with the one thing? Yes. That is exactly the core of what we've been working with most recently in 2022 and now again here in 2024. We're reading through the way of mastery, and that's what it's all about, 100% responsibility for your the creation of your experience of life, which is the product of where you focus your, your consciousness. And, you know, mm-hmm. Laura, you were saying that uh, something about how it may need to happen over and over again, the way of mastery calls us to be willing to do this prior to every breath. Right, Reconnect right, that's And beautiful. ask for help. The, 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 the primary thing is, right in the first lesson it says, please pay attention, this is the way of the heart we're talking about. And the way of the heart oh, is not the way that. of the yeah. intellect, right? And the intellect is like, a garbage can shoved full of trivialities from your culture and your language, and the heart is what you need to step into. So the invitation with the, the, the way of mastery is learn an entirely different way to engage your life. You've been trained to do it with your intellect, what you know Einstein called um, the faithful servant and the precious gift, the intuitive mind, the creative mind. We're living in a culture that's forgotten that. And perhaps worse than that, it's elevated the faithful servant or the useful tool to the level of master. And way of mastery says we have to be the actual opposite of that. And you have to ask to be shown, you know, like Rilke would call us to learn to live in the question without demanding an answer. We need to stay in that open questioning space and ask to be shown every time something less than love arises in our consciousness. Yes. You know, Tim, I'm really so happy that you brought the heart in because I was thinking about it just before you did. And it's, you know, Chinese medicine is a, is a, has taught me a lot. I'm a practitioner of Chinese medicine. So I've learned a lot. And one of the many things is that consciousness is in the heart. And of course now heart math has, has lots of research that backs that up. But, our, 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 our true consciousness, our Shen, our highest life, our most precious life force, the, the life force that is the monarch of any human being is in the heart. And truly, the, you know, there's that line, the longest journey is between the head and the heart. There's also this idea of, of, a, of, a, of a three-part energy in the heart, and it, and it is. It's love, wisdom, and power. And not, you know, we have a funny relationship with power now, which is either there's an abuse of power, which we've been watching for quite a long time, or there's an abdication of power. But power just means right action. You know, making, making the choice at that nanosecond choice point before every breath, you know. The, and, and we are... are our consciousness, we're designed to be good directors of our energy. And that's where free will comes in, right? Where, where we make the choice before every breath to include our heart in whatever it is that we're doing. That's being a good energy director or a good manager of our energy. And I, I just think that that's a practice that we're all, not we're all, but many people are being called to. And, and I love that you guys are studying it in, in Mind Shifters because it's... It's a path, and it's a sacred path. Yeah. And, oh, uh, did, did you want to say something before I 
chime in, Tim? No, go ahead, David. Okay. Uh, just to riff on this a little bit more, intellect is either the boss of me in the form of ego, limiting beliefs, wound structure, or intellect is the servant of my heart consciousness, which is connected to the one thing. So, uh, you know, I, I, what I don't want to get lost in translation here is that uh, I don't want to see the intellect be villainized because all mm-hmm. that the intellect is is a tool. And if we elevate a tool to being the boss of us, then the tail's wagging the dog. The intellect, uh, my intellect is a really useful uh, part of me when it is in service to my heart consciousness. And then the other thing I want to add about the triple flame of love, wisdom, and power is, uh, is also a further illumination of, uh, of power from that transcendent perspective, which is about right, uh, right action and impact. Uh, so, yes, I agree with you, Lori. The word power has gotten a bad rap for understandable reasons because of the amount of power abuse that goes on in the world. But just because there are individuals who abuse their power, that doesn't mean that the rest of us should become power phobic. It just means well, that abuse of power is not the right way to utilize power. Yet yeah, nor is abdication of power, which I see all day long just with people and their relationship or their interaction with, let's say, the medical system. You know, there's such an abdication of power in, in regards to our own bodies. And, and you know, I, I'm a real, I'm devoted <laughs> to elevating that experience for people. Ditto. Yeah, and that's a, that's a wonderful clarification. We can't really say that too much because we have a tendency in our culture, in our teaching and training to categorize or dichotomize things. You know, we see things as black and white. And as soon as we want to say, oh, you know, this this use of this tool was bad, okay, let's never pick this tool up again, that's a really silly way to live your life. It's just a tool. And any powerful tool can be used in any number of ways to reach all kinds of different results. And in this work, I love the way uh, the, the gentleman that... Uh, channeled the way of mastery talks about it in some of his darshans he says look we'll give you some exercises in the way of mastery that will help you dismantle your ego right put it in the right place help you understand its true nature please understand you will never dismantle your ego in the first place it's because the you that thinks it wants to dismantle something is the ego and not your heart consciousness yeah. right you, you want to murder <laughs> what you don't understand or what you think produced a negative result in your life so that'll never work and in the second place you it's a part of your existence it's a useful tool it's like you know what how how effective is it to cut off your hand yeah. so it's a good reminder we're not here to to villainize the conscious logical mind or the intellect or the ego, we're just here to understand its proper role in a balanced approach to life. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. And that, uh, that really reminds me of something that's emphasized a lot in A Course in Miracles, which is 
in, in the terminology of A Course in Miracles, it's right-minded ego versus wrong-minded ego. And that those are just shorthand terms for ego that is uh, the, the tail wagging the dog, like, like we've been talking about, or ego that is, uh, is harnessed for the, the use of, uh, of higher love and wisdom in the, in the physical universe. And that, that shift from, uh, from ego being the boss to ego being a conduit or a servant is kind of the bridge between homo sapiens, where we are human animals, and homo spiritus, where we are embodying higher love and wisdom. Yes, where we're actually the, the instrument or the vehicle through which the life force from, from the, the heart of life, right, the love, wisdom, and power of life, the wellspring, is flowing through us as us. Well, and the way of mastery uses that exact image that the more you recognize and use these tools, the more you will become a clear, open conduit for the Christ mind or the creative force or the capital L love energy to exactly. you know, to be embodied in the physical realm. And what I found in my, my practice with this, Tim, is that it's so much better than my ego being in command or in the driver's seat and that the, the more I, you know, direct myself to this, you know, as the, to be this open vessel, the more my mind, my, my ego mind, sits next to me in the co-pilot seat and is in awe of the flow. Yes. Which, and you know, it's it, part of... Uh, it, go ahead. It, go ahead, uh, Let me just do this first, David, because then you can jump right in. This leads me to think exactly of the Star Wars analogy or metaphor that you were talking about in, in your other podcast about evil and the idea that when I first start out and they put the hood over my eyes and say now fight you know the the zapping robot blindfolded this is the most awkward thing ever how can I do this without my eyes right but mm-hmm. then when I learn to just get in the flow if I'm the Jedi then that's the best way to be Lead with yeah. the heart energy and let the other senses be a an auxiliary amplifier or tool. Go ahead, David. Yeah, no, I, I love that you brought up Star Wars, and I'll take it a step further and tie it in with something else. Um, in, in, the star, in Star Wars, of course, the framing is around what's called in Star Wars the Force, which in essence is the one thing. Uh, it's it's just another term for you know universal love and wisdom and and higher power and the force can be utilized as a Jedi uh, which which is utilizing the force in service of love and wisdom and it can be used as a Sith uh, you know like Darth Vader in in service of uh, of harm and uh and or or just the accumulation of more power right and uh and that's also true about 
technology. You know, a lot, the, a lot of people that I talk to have come to think of technology as anti-spiritual. And it's not the technology that's anti-spiritual. It's how the technology is or isn't being used that could block spiritual expression in the world. But technology itself is neutral and we can utilize technology as a tool and as Jedi, or the technology can become the boss of us, in which case we become Sith. Yeah, that's so good. And, you know, the, so the Taoist philosophy, which so I'm drawing on Chinese medicine um, philosophy again, before there was the two, which is the masculine and the feminine, there was just the one, hence the one thing, right? But then in order to have this physical experience, there was the two, and this is the masculine and feminine, the yin and the yang, the alpha and the omega, and that's the force here on earth, right? And, and David, you had mentioned earlier about um, higher divine masculine and higher divine feminine, and the latest Star Wars, you know, we had this badass woman, girl, whatever, whatever age she was, and what she was exhibiting was both, and this is the divine feminine, both gentle and fierce. And in my experience of the fierce, it's fierceness for life. And it's the only energy that can stand up to evil. As yeah, fierceness I, for life? Yes. Say again? You're saying the only energy that can stand up to evil is fierceness for life? Well, it's just the light force. And, and, you know, if there's a lot of evil, we're going to need to draw on the fierce part of our light force, right? Like, like Star Wars examples. But in my, in my knowing, light or light force, which is every particle and wave of the universe anyway, right, is the only energy that – and, we, and we, we're, this conversation is about each one of us accessing that and intentionally, consciously – drawing it into ourselves in order to, you know, be an anchor or a steward or a center of this light, which is the only energy that can stand up to evil, is what I was saying. And just to be, just to be uh, even a step more explicit, fierceness for life, as we're talking about it, is not attack or anger. It's love-driven passion. It is. That's, that's the clarification that I was hoping you'd make because in my listening to your conversations, there's nothing about violence or hatred or condemnation. It's all about the, the most powerful of all. The only true energy is love. And what we experience as less than love is consciousness misdirecting that, that creative energy. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention, just because people might be tuning into this and think we're making all this stuff up about Star Wars, <laughs> the, the, the people who wrote it consulted with Joseph Campbell and had been devotees of his work. And it's intentional that the Force mimics higher consciousness, love, just just energy that can be used in one way or another, and that we make a choice. And throughout the stories, except the ones that get, you know, a little bit distorted, the primary thing in, in the Star Wars movies is, what are you going to choose? Who's, 
whose side are you going to be on? You're going to be on the side of love, or you're going to be on the side of something less than love. Right. Yeah. And uh, so, yes, Luke George Lucas is a student uh, of Joseph Campbell, but beyond only Campbell, he's a student of archetypal psychology and the hero's journey. And that wisdom is what informed the story arc of Star Wars and informed the creation of the characters in Star Wars. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, that that place, Tim, you're talking about the choice. What if we've just practiced choosing fear for so long that it seems like that is the only choice? Uh, You know, it does seem that way. But when one steps on the path of the, the type of stuff we're talking about, there, there's the realization it isn't the only choice. And then we just get to build the muscle of choosing love over and over and over and letting it provide evidence for our mind who's still really going to be hooked into thinking fear is the only option and all of the, the cohorts of fear, you know, doubt and worry and anxiety and lack and limitation and all the things that, that, our, that our being finally realizes and it, it settles somewhere deep in ourselves that, oh, it is about love. <laughs> in fact, every cell of my being is filled with that light which carries love and cannot be separated from each other. And that's yeah. a good place to recognize. And exactly. to piggyback further on that, I think it might be useful for us to also insert a comment about the right use and wrong use of meditation and prayer and things like that. Uh, I see a lot of people doing um, really, really devoted meditation or prayer practices in specific segments of time during their day, and then they go through the rest of their day uh, in, in, a, in a different state of consciousness than the one that they're accessing while they're doing structured or devoted meditation or prayer sessions. And practicing choosing love over fear is something that's done with each breath, not only while meditating or praying. Exactly. That's, that's the same experience and knowledge we have here, is that, as I mentioned earlier, the way of mastery invites us to do this prior to every breath, to mm-hmm. recognize we can call on the Holy Spirit or we can call on the Christ mind or we can call on the one thing prior to every breath. And if we do that, we'll wake up to the recognition that the person in front of us is not a stranger. Mm-hmm. It's a fellow being of brilliance and light. And if something less than brilliance and light and love is coming out of them, it only means they've either temporarily forgotten or yet to discover their brilliance. There is no difference. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And, I mean, you know, you... Every, oh, go ahead. Every, every communication is either a, an expression of love or a call for love. Right. Exactly. And you've, you've mentioned the Christ mind a, a few times, Tim, and I, I, I just, I don't know if you, you all talk about this in your, in your groups, um, but one of the things I think has gotten distorted about the Christ mind is that it isn't available to every human, and it is. You know, it's like that Jesus, in his um, time on earth, 
and who is now an ascended master, his message has gotten, you know, pretty distorted, I think, because he, you know, he said very clearly, I'm exampling this. This is what you shall do, too. And the, the division between who we are as individuals and that capacity has, has, you know, been filled in with so much non-truth. <laughs> and I, I wish, I, I just would love for each listener to, to, to go into their heart and, and ask about that for themselves because it's available to each one of us. Not only is it available, it's kind of the reason we're here <laughs> is to, is to access that part of ourselves. You know, Christ is not Jesus's last name. It's a consciousness that we all have access to. And I, I would love for people to, um, you know, bridge that gap. Well, yeah. that's and what exactly I, in line oh, with what oh, go ahead, the way of mastery was promoting that, that this book, this series of three books, uh, several other books that were written around it, have as their goal birthing many, many people who are giving birth to the Christ mind consciousness at the same time on the planet. And that takes us from, from unripe to ripe, wouldn't you say? I mean, that this is, comes full circle to what, how we started our conversation. When we're not connected to this Christ mind or this consciousness, we're unripe. It's just that. But we get to ripen ourselves or blossom ourselves into the fullness of that consciousness. And that's, you know, that's the work. Exactly. David, you were going to say something? Uh, let's see. What was I going to say? Um, uh, oh, about, about the Christ mind. I, I don't know whether there are some people who are listening to the, uh, this episode who recoil at, at the word Christ. Uh, but what I would offer about that as, as a Jew is that if I associate Christ with a particular theological orientation in conventional Christianity, I can understand why some people recoil at the word Christ. If I understand Christ in the ways that we're talking about, having to do with a state of consciousness that transcends all religious paths, uh, that unites all religious paths, but not unites in an evangelical way, but that just reminds us of universal wisdom, then the emotional charge connected to the word Christ can be reduced and hopefully fully eliminated. Exactly. It's, it's, that's the message. This is not a person. This is a state of consciousness, a, a level of connectedness to the one mind that uh, is available to all, and that's, that's the goal. And that's the goal of yeah. all of the work in the Christ mind um, writings. And, and that's pathway. and that's the healing. It's a healing too, because we've gotten, we've been. I don't know. I, I guess I can say unhealed. This is the disconnection. The you know the the original wound of disconnection is is because we've been divested from that from the Christ consciousness. And to to come back to a relationship and an understanding in our mind and our body and our life with it is a healing. It's it's the like the deepest healing I think. Agreed. Agreed. <laughs> and it's and and it's it's you know in these teachings that Dave is calling the perennial wisdom, love 
is the only thing that heals. And love, yeah. in one of the, the lessons from the Way of Mastery, is titled Love Heals All Things. Yes. And so not only, you know, does it heal, some would say it's the only thing. It is all there is. Yeah. It is what people call God. It's people what they call the one thing. It's It's everything as energy. And when it's experienced without the veils of hurt and trauma and prejudice mm-hmm. and the perception, you know, there's this old adage that says, oh, the tangled web we weave when first we practice to deceive, to tell a lie, right? Well, then I got into this work and I'm, I'm finding out about how active the process of per- perception is and how none of us just open our eyes and see what's there. We only see what our mind, our history, our language, our consciousness allows us to create as pictures in our mind. So we're very actively creating our perception all the time. And Mm -hmm. that's what's called the veils, right? That's what keeps us from seeing the radiant, shimmering radiance, as the way of mastery Mm -hmm. calls it, that is everything and everyone that you interact with. So then after a while in this work, I came to, to, to talk about how, oh, the tangled web we weave when first we practice to perceive. And if we can start dismantling our judgments, which only come from perceptions, and questioning our perceptions and asking to be shown, where's the real love, light, God, Christ-mindedness in this situation, we can have an entirely different experience of life. Yeah. And yeah, what but... you just described is the essence of anointing. Uh, it's to choose from the divine, to respond from holiness consciousness. And the reason I'm bringing up anointing is because the word Christ comes from the Greek word Christos, and Christos means to anoint. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, if Dr. And that, Michael Rice were on the call, he'd say the buttered one. Because <laughs> uh-huh. uh-huh. they would anoint and, with and a, this, a sacred oil or butter. Right. Mm-hmm. All of this is really only available in the present moment, isn't it? Like that is that is the, the, the what, what do they call the needle that a camel gets, can't get through? I can't remember how they say that in, in the Testament. You probably know, Tim. But it's it's only available in the present, that shimmering present light radiant right and i also radiant light and and i also wanted to say a little something about love because you know our human mind and it's been so programmed into us culturally we when we hear the word love we think romantic love right generally speaking and really we're we're talking about something that's way beyond that we're talking about the thing that is that weaves everything together in the universe it's 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 the entire fabric of the universe and I might be biased when I say my, this next thing, but it's the way that I've been able to access this particular, this broader scope of love that we're talking about be, beyond romantic love. It includes everything, right? The broader scope of love is by way of light because it, light is something that's a little bit more tangible and I know that it carries love. And when I call that light, I call it in by way of a waterfall through the top of my head to fill my whole body and my heart, overflow into, from my heart then I can, I can actually access it. 
And so, and, and, you know, because I know that light and love cannot be separated, it's the particle and the wave, then to touch into love in a, in a present moment I, I, and, and to see that radiance in every particle of life, it, that's the light right there. Mm-hmm. And this is, uh, to, to tie this back in with what you were touching on a moment ago, Lori, about, uh, about the biblical phrasing has to do with eye, the eye of the needle and the actual wording, or at least one of the wordings, is straight is the gate. Not straight as in S-T-R-A-I-G-H-T, but S-T-R-A-I-T, which means narrow. Narrow is the gate. Narrow is the way that it, it's not a kind of narrowness that imprisons or constricts us. It's a narrowness that says anything that is, is beyond um, love and wisdom and, and higher power is, uh, is not useful. And the, the path of higher love and wisdom and, and power in this physical universe is a very narrow path. There, you know, uh, if, we, uh, if we, like with power, if we do power abuse, or if we do power abdication, where we, we, we uh, disown our power, that's outside of the gate. The gate is narrow. Higher use of power is very freeing, but it's a narrow path that's between power abuse and power abdication, for example. That's brilliant, honey. That's brilliant, <laughs> if I may say <laughs> Well, yeah, and it, it goes along with the concept that you can't leave a finger outside of heaven. You have to be mm-hmm. all in. Another way Guy Finley talks about it is he says, you can't truly love life at the same time you don't like or want any aspect of it. Mm-hmm. it you have to understand yes. that your judging anything is the opposite of love. It's the opposite of the process of forgiveness. And in this work, the process of forgiveness means to dismantle perception, dismantle judgment. It's a complete inside job, has nothing to do with anyone or anything outside of us. It's an energy management tool to get rid of any energy that I download or hold on to that's less than love. Yes. And we can't do that work in my very deep knowing without the connection to the one thing that's the that's the connection that actually heals the forgiveness and heals and forgives and and right right and so that so stop, into stop, something stop right there Go. stop right there okay you're so you're so right on and if dr michael rice were here he'd say look you've got this nine bit mind right harvard research says that in one twenty-fifth of a second we've got nine bits of information we can be aware of consciously our brain is processing ten thousand bits of energy and probably twenty trillion bits are hitting our senses now if you think since you understand that you're getting these energies that are on the mark and off the mark that are passed down three and four generations if you Mm -hmm. think you're going to wipe that out with your conscious logical mind you're mistaken because as you're processing nine bits or 15 bits, let's say you're a genius and you're going to do 20 bits at a time, your unconscious mind's processing millions, right? So you need what they call the super processor. You need the Holy Spirit. You need 
these latent neurostructures implanted in you by the creator or the one thing that will guide you to truth and happiness and break off the effects of your errors in thought if you will just ask it to. Yes, Which is you. just what you're saying. It's just what you're yes. saying, Lori. And, and, and for yeah. more motivation or inspiration for people to choose this, what we're talking about, there is a completely different set of chemistry that gets released from our brain when we choose to take that moment and, and connect into the superconscious mind or the divine mind or higher intelligence or whatever words we want to put to that. That chemistry is healing, restorative. I mean, people are all into anti-aging and they're doing all this stuff. This is the real anti-aging chemistry, right? And the opposite is also true when we're cowering in our fear, our anxiety, or our, our, you know, our judgments, then there's a, a completely opposite set of chemistry that gets released from our brain, and it's corrosive, it's inflammatory, and it tears our system down. And people wonder why, why chronic disease is rampant. Absolutely. And if I can double back to what we were touching on a, a, a minute or two ago about split-mindedness, you know, uh, one foot in uh, in the uh, ego, the, the wrong-minded ego mind, uh, the separated mind, and one foot in uh, in the spiritual consciousness. That kind of split-mindedness doesn't work. It's actually a form of bargaining. It's a form of bargaining that says, "Well, you know, I want, I, I, I really like this idea of higher consciousness, and I want, I want to live in it, but I, I don't want to have to give up my ego." or my seemingly separate sense of self in order to do that. And so I'm going to try to kind of live in both states at the same time. And uh, that, that it it, it just doesn't work. (laughs) Right. Yeah. It's, it's actually a recipe for exhaustion. Yeah. Exactly. And many times over, Amen. Amin. So I'm looking at the clock and realizing we've got about five or six minutes left. So I I was hoping to stop earlier and say, how about we throw it open for questions? But it's five or six minutes. Let's have you guys talk a little bit about, or you two people, talk a little about (laughs) what you're doing other than the One Thing podcast and how people can get a hold of you if they want to connect with you more. Sure. Go ahead. Sure thing. So um, I think the easiest way to direct people to more, if they would like, is I have a website. It's www.createtoheelstudio.com. And the thing I'd like to direct people, I mean, there's lots of stuff on there. So, you know, have at it. (laughs) Go for whatever resonates. But uh, at the bottom of the homepage, on the right-hand side, there's a a free gift, and it's a five-part mini class on how it's it, each of the parts are the power of grounding, the power of connecting, the power of being embodied, the power of being present and the power of purpose. And it's all about the light force that we've touched on in our conversation here and how to, it's a foundational piece. I think for any spiritual path, even people who are farther down the road, I think we forget these, this core basic piece. So bringing, bringing ourselves back to this in a, in a, you know, sort of simple and clear practice is, something I feel is is vital and honestly I weave the one thing into everything I do (laughs) so you know when you say something else besides the one thing it's like well I can't I can't leave that 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 touchstone so 
Well, I was referencing the One Thing podcast, not the One Thing itself. No, I know. You are right. You did say that, 100%. (laughs) So what about you, honey? Uh, Well, yeah, I'll I'll say that in a quick moment, but uh, the Tot Tot podcast has its own website as well, which is simply totpodcast.net. The project that I'm most focused on of all of the different hats I wear is called the Center for Enlightened Self-Sovereignty. And that's a community and training process that equips uh, leaders and uh, influencers with the capacity to have the, the level of positive impact that they want to have in helping to bring about an enlightened future for humanity. And the information website about the Center for Enlightened Self-Sovereignty, which basic membership is, is free, is the CESS, T-H-E-C-E-S-S, for Center for Enlightened Self-Sovereignty, dot com, thecess.com. And, um, David, thank you for being willing to give up a couple hours of your time um, prior to this. And we have recorded uh, two episodes of the On Your Mind podcast just about the Center for Enlightened Self-Sovereignty. And they will air, uh, barring any technical glitches, on March 5th and March 12th. So Mm. people can access that through the onyourmindpodcast.org. And, and of course, when, when that launches, David, you'll get all of the appropriate links to promote that on your site or your social media as well. Which, of course, I'll be doing just as I'll be promoting this episode of MindShifters Radio. Likewise. Well, thank you for that. Thank you for that. Any uh, closing comments before we uh, make the transition to our second hour here? Well, I just want to thank you again for having us on your show. And I I really hope that the big takeaway that your listeners have been taking from this episode is that real truth, spiritual truth is universal. It's not, uh, I mean, as as I often say, only the metaphors are changed to protect the fearful. Uh, Don't, don't get, lost in the in the differences in language and wording and in metaphors because the perennial wisdom is the perennial wisdom no matter how it's worded that's that's the takeaway that i would offer from this episode yeah and i think i would offer just a pause there's such a a simple potency in just pausing like you mentioned tim that you're doing in your work and if you can put your hand on your heart and just drop in and ask. What are your takeaways, Tim? Well, pretty much ditto for all of this. The idea that the capital T truth is the capital T truth and doesn't change based on what people say about it or try to write about it and um, it has to be experienced in the moment as Lori was talking about earlier and I love the uh, um, Sylvia Borstein Jewish Buddhist grandmotherly type who says whenever she's Mm -hmm. upset 
she puts her hand over her heart space and talks to herself lovingly, and she says, Sylvia, sweetheart, you're in pain. Take a few deep breaths, relax, then we'll look at what's going on. Then we'll decide what to do. But for now, Timmy, sweetheart, you're in pain. And right now, as I pause with my hand over my heart space, I'm not in pain. I am in delight. And thank you so much for joining us. And thank you so much for the work you're doing. And I look forward to our next contact. Thank you for the work you're doing. I will remind us all that we come from love. We're made of this stuff we call love. We actually are love, and everything else is false. And I will turn on the microphone for and welcome Jeannie Rice. Thank you, Dr. Kim. I enjoyed listening to the interview with uh, David Gruder and Laurie Morris. So thank you for having them on the show. You're entirely welcome and deserving. Have a wonderful show. Thank you. Welcome, everybody, to the second hour of MindShifters Radio, and today is Friday, February the 23rd, 2024, and our call-in number is 563-999-3581, and press 1, and that puts you into queue to talk to us, and we would love to hear your comments and questions, because that makes this your show. And we'll give Michael just a moment to dial in, and then we do have a question that came in from the email. That has to do with the Aramaic. We also have um, someone who is supposed to call in that wants to process something. So hopefully we will um, get those handled at the beginning of the show. And uh, again, go back and listen to the first hour again. It was an awesome interview with David Gruder and Laurie Morris. And uh, I'll have to go back and listen to pick up the websites because uh, I wasn't fast enough in, in getting a pen and paper to write those down, but I will put those in the notes for today as well so that you can tap into that. And uh, in the meantime, if you have any questions, press 1. And as soon as Michael gets on, I will turn on your microphone. And we do have a hand already up. But uh, let me see if Michael's having... Awesome, let's go oh, for it. there he is. I'm here. Hi, okay. All right, so... The first, there is a hand up, and it is area code 541. You are on the air. Who do we have? Yes, Celinda. How are you? Well, we're well, young lady. How are you? I'm good. And I was listening to the previous show with Dr. Tim and David Gruder and Laurie Morris. And while they were talking, and they were talking about the light, I remember how in many spiritual traditions, they don't just talk about the light, they can talk about the sound. Michael, I was the only thing I've made a connection with is the sound, is the great harmony of the universe, but I don't know how it relates to light, and I was wondering if you, Michael, and uh, Eugenie have any insights about that I can consider about what the sound would mean and why in these traditions that they talk about the light and sound. Well, my take would be that, you know, we have the ability to convert. I don't know if you were on the show yesterday, but I was talking about the experience I had when I was on a, a massage table yesterday and was listening to a piece of music and started to sing to it and had a whole new level of appreciation for and the sensation of the impact produced by my generating sound on my body. 
And so I think that it takes a conscious organism, you and I, to speak things into creation. And so that would be my take. So if Yeshua is correct, you are the light of the world, then you are made of light and you have the ability through this instrument to transmute light into sound. That would be well, my I take was on it. As far as what the mystery schools are teaching, you know, there are all kinds of theories and such. I'm just not familiar with them. Right. And I think each one of us has to come to, uh, in in spirit, has to come to the realization of what that means for us. And I agree with you because for me, sound is vibration. And um, it is the roar of the vibratory experience. And then the light is the, is the, um, the bursting forth of the light is that also that creative voice or sound or mind that is bursting into this dimension i suppose i'm just playing now (laughs) i'm in my sandbox i have no way of knowing if that's true or not but it's very comforting for me and then the uh neil douglas pardon well before you go on to another topic just watch what you've been speaking and notice that it's in creation now Okay. That's the sound. That's that's it. Yes, and I love um, I I love the variant of Neil Douglas Klotz's um, perception of the for yours is the power, the glory, and the I forget what the final sign off is on the Lord's Prayer, but he talks about the divine principles the reigning principles, which I would consider belongs to the mind energy, the intention, etc., and the laws. And then he talks about the, the one song, the universe of creation. And I would say the sound would be, for me, the communal universe of creation, of co-creation. But anyway, those are just thoughts that help me put a framework around it that feels very comforting and I thank you for your thoughts Go for it. I really thank you for yours and maybe Jeannie has a thought too that would be fun around this topic no I'm good at the moment thank you though well thank all of us <laughs> and have well, a I had one other day. thought from Yeshua Oh, yeah. yeah, I'll add one other thought from Yesha where he talks about, you know, the power of life and death is in our words and recognizing that. And, and that's why I say when you were talking about, gee, I'm not sure I'm just playing in the sandbox. I think you can be very sure. Just look at the words you've spoken in your life and notice where your life has gone. That's how we speak right. integration. That's a part and parcel of how we organize this cymatic universe that reflects back to us what we hold to. So between paying attention to our perceptions, our words, and making sure that they're in alignment with where we really want our creative process to go becomes key Sweet. in terms of how it impacts our own physiology and the world around us. Sweet. If or as really somebody's mother used un- to say, as somebody's mother used to say, make your words sweet because one day you may have to eat them. Oh, I love that one. <laughs> yep. Well, I remember what Thoreau said, too, a 
about, um, you know, you've built your castles in the sky, now put foundations under them. Yep. Wasn't that Thoreau? That's what it takes. Yep, it was. Well, well thank you. They're right. Our castles in the sky are right where they're designed to be now. Can you right. build the structure underneath? And, and you'll build that structure underneath by speaking it into creation. Language precedes oh. behavior. Aside from, you know, carbon-based memories guidance, which is also based in language, but if we're going to create something new, language will perceive the behaviors that will produce the new. Oh, I love that one. Thank you for offering that. Yep. It's one of the reasons why with Michael. Aria. Say it again. It's the collective brain co-creating yep, all, process. It's, it's all there for. It's there for all of us. Yep, blessing. And one of the oh, reasons why we keep. Yeah, I was starting to say that uh, one of the things we are constantly affirming for Aria is her imaginative faculty, where kids go into school and they tend to lose it statistically. It's just gone, and we are con- continuously. Uh, explaining to her, languaging to her, that this is her faculty, her way of bringing into the creation what she's about creating, who she is. And that image, the ability to image in and then to put into language is uh, is part and parcel of the process. And sometimes we get guidance or images that we can't even put into words, as Yeshua talked about. You know, so many things I would say to you, but you can't hear them. You've got no brain cells. <clears throat> and so part of it is developing the brain cells, building the brain cells to bring the new in and to teach your own mind to understand about it. And then your mind can be the servant it was meant to be. Say that again. We, I, I couldn't hear the first part of it. And then our minds can be the servants that they are meant to be. Exactly. Exactly. The vehicle. Yay. Joining you at Yay. again, lady. All right. Go for it, all of you. All right. You have a blessed one. <laughs> all right. Bye-bye. Howdy, bye-bye. So, Ms. Jeannie, do we have anybody else in the phone queue with a hand up or anything happening in the chat room? We do, and I believe that it might be um, Harry or her partner. I'm not sure which. It's a really long phone number. Hi, welcome. Hello, hello. Hey there. Welcome, young man. This is Marek. Delight to hear from you. That young lady told me you were going to be calling in. Excellent. I'm glad to be here. I just got off another meeting. I just got on, and here I am speaking with you. So this is divine right timing. Sweet. Sweet. So what's on your mind uh, today? Your, your voice is just a little bit fuzzy. If you can get close to the microphone, it might help. How about this? A little better, yes. I can always put on headphones. Um, give me two seconds to get my headphones. Okay. Oh. Situation. Um, I can't find the headphones. Um, okay. Daughter 
18 years old, lives with mama, has not wanted to speak with me for over 10 years. Ouch. And my journey has taken me from guilt and shame to men's work where I've been able to forgive that and release the guilt and shame and in, and, in, and am in a state of wishing to make amends and make reconnection. And so I'm right. in the process with my men's circle brothers are assisting me to um, figure out how to, in a healthy way, reach out to both mama and daughter. And I realized that the first connection is with mama. And one thing that came up in that meeting with the men last night was I needed to forgive myself. And that touched some deep chords that bring me shame, bring up guilt. And when I was sharing with my beloved suggesting reaching out to you today. And here I am. Um, I don't awesome. know if that's enough background to Great starting point. Great starting point. Uh, so let's see if we can offer some support and clarification. First of all, uh, as you've probably heard me say before on the show, never forgive anybody for anything. And I would Correct. clarify that with never even attempt to forgive yourself for anything because that's an impossibility. However, when you recognize that the word forgive is a thousand miles away from our culture's idea of forgiveness where I'm going to let you off the hook or you're going to let me off the hook or I'm going to let myself off the hook. Rather than that, if you go back into the Aramaic language, wherever we hear the directive from the Greek translations, or I should say the Greek interpretations because they're not translations, whenever we hear that, whenever, let's say, for instance, Yeshua purportedly says, forgive your brother, he never said that. There are two words that are missing each time that kind of a, a command or that kind of a suggestion comes out of his mouth. And that is, rather than saying, forgive your brother or forgive yourself, what we would hear him saying in Aramaic would be, forgive as to your brother. Forgive as to yourself. So let's say, Merrick, you're my brother, and you do something that brings up all kinds of rage in me. And, of course, if I'm in the standard mindset of the world, look at that, you've enraged me, you, you've caused me so much pain and so much trauma, but it's okay, I'll forgive you. Or, you know, gee, I have rage, so I'll forgive myself. But if I do those two acts, what the Greeks suggested, I've done nothing to impact the fact that in my physiology there's rage. So when we hear Yeshua's instruction properly, what, what Yeshua would be saying is, if we expanded it out, Michael, you interacted with Merrick and he brought up rage in you. And what I will suggest that you do if you want to heal your rage is you forgive as to what Merrick brought up in you. So I don't apply forgiveness to you. I don't apply forgiveness to myself. I apply forgiveness to my rage. And by so doing, I remove rage from my physiology. So it would be forgive as to your guilt that it's about. And, you know, 
how many how many generations do you suppose each of us have got in our bloodline of people who have unresolved guilt and trauma and pain around their children? Uh-huh. Like monstrous. So the forgiveness yes. process would be one where, and and you could impact that guilt that you're realizing is there in in many ways in terms of removing it. And that might include doing worksheets on your former because probably the relationship and the, the trauma and whatever, without knowing anything that went down, it usually isn't fun, especially for the kids around. So it might be doing some forgiveness work around your former, doing those worksheets. Yes. It might be doing some forgiveness worksheets around your daughter and what happened with her. It might be doing forgiveness worksheets on yourself. So you look at, so I'm I'm thinking about reconnecting with my daughter and all of a sudden guilt comes up in me. So what would that worksheet look like? Well, if I did the worksheet on myself because I'm the one who's feeling the guilt, it would look like, you know, I, Michael, who am love, am feeling guilt. The thought behind my guilt is that I should have been a better father and stayed in touch with her. And the goal in that regard would be exactly that, that, you know, I should have stayed in touch with my daughter and and been a better father. That They'd actually be two different worksheets. So then going down to the the core forgiveness step, you know, I set my love in my mind. I do the core forgiveness step and I cancel my need to have been a better father. I'm going to breathe and be with what moves in me, having presence, love in step four of the worksheet, canceling the goal to be a better father, let whatever is in my mind about being a good father, which might be, you know, something that happened 10 generations ago when, you know, the father of this child that fell in the river and he was in care of her and she drowned and it was his fault. That might be the guilt that that ultimately the actual underlying energy that you want to open your physiology and open your genes to access and exposed to the presence of love so it is dissolved from you and that would be the forgiveness that would be what would be forgiven the worksheet around i should have stayed simply, in touch with my daughter simply Go ahead. listening and being in the field <clears throat> that you're speaking forth i literally felt a valve release underneath me and the blockage of energy just flow out of me and i can feel clearer just by joining you in it my friend joining you in it breathing with you yeah like we say in the circle breathe into that yeah breathing into that So is there any cognitive awareness of what just moved, what that valve opening was about? Say again? Was that a question? Yeah, I I was just wondering if there was any cognitive awareness of what the energy was. Were there any images or messages that came with that valve opening and that physiological release you felt? It felt old as in previous to great-grandpa, because I don't know Mm. those men now, but it felt like it was previous to that. And it was a a lightening, a clearing of my mind and energy 
colors are even brighter right now. Hmm. Sweet. That's forgiveness. So, you know, yes. if you'd have hung around for eternity and said, I forgive myself for my guilt, I forgive myself for my guilt, I forgive, it wouldn't have moved that. But, and you know, this, this, the, the genius of this man, Yeshua, to have come up with perception, whatever it is, is always driven by a goal. And the way you access what's underneath the surface that's hidden that you don't normally see, you're able to access by canceling the goal. And then that perception, that construct of the mind that's based, in this case, in guilt, by canceling the goal, it collapses into its own footprint. You know, like we saw the 9-11 towers collapse into their own footprint. And that's what gives us access to the underlying energy, however many generations back it, it was, however old it was, or however fresh it was. It's what gives us access to the unconscious part of what the surface mind only shows us the tip of. It's it's like it's just barely a resonance of, and it took me a long time to understand because at first I was confused. What do you mean cancel the goal? It's a good goal. I want to be a good father. However, yep. studying your material, I've learned that that was a program, unhealthy program at that that I was building that goal from, and by canceling the goal, it allows me to go into the subconscious where the root of it is. Uh, because it's always within me. It's never about right. the other person. Exactly. And and the reason for canceling a goal, I mean, most goals that people we would suggest cancel are, are as you say, wonderful goals. The, the reason to cancel a goal is whenever I put it in my mind, if it accesses or resonates some sort of hostility or fear, I cancel it not because I don't want it or there's anything wrong with the goal. I cancel it because I recognize that it activates or resonates some form of hostility or fear in me that I need to get rid of. And forgiveness is about getting rid of that underlying hostility or fear where it, it, is, it is an indicator of corrupt data and it's about I cancel the goal so that I get to access the corrupt data and get rid of it and then go back and restore the goal to be a great father. And if you're totally consistent, you breathe, and every part of your physiology is in delight and joy about being a great father, then you probably just opened a whole energy window uh, that is going to make you a lot more uh, attractive and appealing to your daughter to let go of whatever's gone on for her and be able to tap into Dan. I see. Because then I'm accessing my authentic self, and I'm coming from truly who I am, and not some programming that I took off from my family or came from my genetics. Yeah, exactly. You know, I, I mean, you you tapped into that it was perhaps something from a prior generation. So on an energetic level, if, if there's something in there about daughters uh, from a prior generation, then energetically you're always communicating to your daughter, you know, let's say just – to make something up uh, three generations ago this daughter was hurt by her father and the, he came to the conclusion that he was just you know a terrible person and would always hurt his offspring if that's the vibration that's left in my genes and I have a daughter then until I access and forgive that energetic pattern on an unconscious level I'm always communicating to her right. I'm here to hurt you 
Until right. I forgive that vibration right. in me, that's a communication that, and of course, she may never become aware of it. She just goes, ew, dad, ew. But when you let that one go, when, you know, again, whatever the specifics of it are, that communication is no longer there, and it opens the gate for, oh, of course we're going to get back together. And then, wow. you know, th- then the next yes. one would be to look at, uh, go ahead. No, I was agreeing with you, and it sparked another situation with 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 oldest oldest daughter, where she had, had stopped speaking to me as well. But she, when she went to a metaphysics college, um, went to an akashic department, and her question was, "What's up with dad? Why do I not want to talk to dad?" And her akashic reading was mm-hmm. that she had had a lifetime as a poor uh, brown-skinned child with her brother in the streets somewhere, and dad was a drunk, and she ended up walking off and leaving, you know, leaving the planet into the, into the, into the ocean. Uh, and so she came away with that anger against that dad. So when she could yeah. remove that yeah. from herself, then she could approach me and say, this, is, this, this wasn't even about you. It was about him. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. and can we speak as, as equals? And since then, she and I have been very close. So you brought that back up. So there is more in my genes that's also verberating to younger daughter. Right. So the next step would be to look at, you know, again, as I suggested earlier, and this may or may not be a factor, but maybe, you know, a should that you had on yourself. I should have kept in better contact with my daughter. So the forgiveness in that arena would look like, so I, Merrick, who am love, feeling guilt again, I should have kept in touch with my daughter. What's the goal? Uh, The goal is to always be in touch with my daughter. What's the forgiveness process look like? I presence love in my mind. I breathe. I cancel the goal to be there and communicate with my daughter. Collapses whatever that construct is about, and now I get to access the unconscious dynamics, maybe again, way down in my genes, history, who knows where, and I'm able to bring that frequency up in the presence of love. And when that frequency comes up in the presence of love, the active presence of love transmutes that energy, and now that piece of data is forgiven, is removed from my structure, and now I'm free of that one. And now I'm no longer communicating based on, you know, whatever, who knows what all the genetics are, what all the, the as you talked about past lives are, but whatever the energetic frequency was that had her bounce away or send me signals to stay away and me send her signals that I was going to stay away, that energetic pattern comes forward in the presence of love, transmuted, gone, and now a whole new slate is opened up, a whole new possibility is opened. Not only in that regard, but, you know, both of these issues would also open a whole new energetic possibility and pattern within your relationship with your beloved. Because she's a woman. Yes. And as, as, we're, as I'm listening to your energy and feeling your energy, I'm, I'm feeling also the fear of communication coming up. And so my predominant feeling now is fear. Mm. Okay. So then, if you're, is there a circumstance in which you're Sensing that fear, what would that circumstance be? 
the circumstances reaching out uh, via email and receiving what I describe as nasty grams back from Mama. So I have those fears okay. of that nasty gram. Okay. So then the way forgiveness would be applied there, that would be an, uh, a worksheet where the object of attention the worksheet is Mama. And the the goal that you'd want to cancel there would be to get a positive, loving response to your effort to reach out to your daughter. So I can't I cancel my need for a positive, loving response from my former when I reach out to my daughter and breathe and see what energetic pattern there is that loops between you and your former that she would feel so much in pain or trauma, whatever's going on, that she'd actually interfere with your connection with your own daughter and her connection with her father. So it opens space as you let that energy be processed or forgiven in you. Again, it's not about forgiving her. As you forgive that energy okay. in you, then there's nothing for her to bounce off of and say, I'm going to keep that SOB away. <laughs> because it opens a space for her to start to clean up her mind, her part in what all went on for you guys in your relationship. Yes. I'm, I'm breathing. And as you do that, this it wouldn't surprise me if you got an email. Yes. Go, go for it. I'll breathe with you. I'm, I'm sensing the depth of it. There's an ancientness in this fear. It goes mm. back beyond dad and grandpa and great-grandpa again. Mm. I'm sensing yeah. a genetic masculine rape and tillage energy. Mm. That's what I'm getting. Yeah. So just breathe into it and allow that to surface. Keeping love present, remembering to stay connected to that state of being. And I'm sure that Carrie is there just holding the space with you. So just let yourself yeah, breathe in and let the phone. all yeah. of that come forward. Mm, yeah. I got it. She's like that. <laughs> yes, she is. My beloved. So breathing with you. So as you process through that one, Eric, it wouldn't surprise me if you got an email from your former saying, hey, you know, it's time to connect with your daughter. I wouldn't uh, be surprised if you got so that. I I ta talking historically, having worked with people over the last 50 years with this, I wouldn't be surprised if that email showed up in your inbox today. Agreed. Not a prediction, I to but three, I wouldn't be the least bit surprised. Ago. No, you're right. No, you're right. You're right. I, and, and I confirm that, that, that hit. Because um, I did write to her three weeks ago and did not receive a response. Uh, I did see from my tracking in the email that it was opened. Uh, so you're right. You're right. You're right. There is a shift today. I can feel the shift. Um, yes, I feel the weight lightened. I feel the burden lightened. There is movement. Yes, this is a very, very powerful love vortex, which 
is just sucking out of this all this ancient stuff right out of me. All I had to do was release awesome. it. Breathing with you, and you know there's a a wonderful principle expressed in the Course in Miracles that says, when you are healed, you are never healed alone. And that ah, as you yes. do your work, as you do your work, millions yet unborn will be touched by the work you do. So it's a big issue on the planet, an important one to work through. Thanks for being willing. Thank you, brother. Thank you for holding the vortex open for for the planet, for those that can touch it and reach it and and release the stuff. I, I just realized that I'm the one holding on to this stuff, even unconsciously. And yes. once I release it, poof, that vortex just sucks it right out of me. And, and you notice how when we're holding that stuff and we're in terror and trauma, but, oh, I don't ever want to deal with that, somebody in resonance with that shows up and does a behavior, fires those brain cells, that unresolved energy in us, and what most people do because they live in denial and they're members of the one world universal religion of blame is that energy moving in them then they use that to build their perceptual construct of that other person. And that person shows up in their mind with their problem attached and they swear it must be that other person's problem because look at this, I can see it in my mind. And it's all a fraud. And that is, again, driven by goals that needs to be collapsed so that the underlying energy can be accessed rather than indirectly by projecting it into our brain's image of someone else, being able to access that energy directly. And that's what frees us from it. And yet that's what most people are terrified of because they weren't safe to feel that energy in its origins and to work through it. And I get it. It's fearful. It's, it can be big. And I certainly Monsters. get it. Yeah, it's the stuff that murder and rape and pillage is made of. That's exactly what it is. Ah. And and to be able to uh, stand in a connected space as a space of love, to be able to embrace that in ourselves and each other to process through it. And in this work, I define processing as the ability to hold love, conscious, active, and present when something less than love comes up. And the beauty of it is... Is if I just breathe in it and hold that space, the process is taken care of. You know, it happens. It's it's not even something I, in any active way, do. I set the stage for it. You know, in the ancient teachings, they said only God can forgive. It's it literally, truthfully, you and I don't know how to move one iota of energy anywhere, <laughs> but there's a power in us that does. And that power said, you tell me what you want. You want to hold on to this? We will hold on to it forever. You want to let go yes. of it? We'll let go of it. But but you you and I, with free will, we have to set the stage. Or else the energy is just going to be perpetuated generation upon generation. You know, you look at that, that story of the Jews wandering in the desert for 40 years, and people think it was about this bright group of people who knew all about astronomy being lost in a 35-square-mile area for 40 years which, of course, is absolutely ridiculous. You know, they knew the sun came up in the east and set in the west. They just need to start walking, following the sun. They'd been out of the desert within a few days at most. It wasn't about a hot, sandy place. It's just a code word for the unconscious. And most people spend the first 40 or so years of their lives in the unconscious. 
And if you read that story, what had to happen to get out of the desert? What did they say? They said the old generation had to die off. It didn't mean uh, everybody in old physical bodies had to physically die. The root of the word generation is generate. It means cause. The, the causes held in the structure from generation upon generation has to be processed out. And then what do you get to do when you leave the desert? You get to go to the promised land. Is that some sort of physical place with dates and palm trees and sunshine? No. It's the land of conscious co-creation. We get to originate an energy, and it plays out the whole. Like I mean, the whole creation is set here for us to bring a frequency into the structure and to bring it into creation. And the only thing that inhibits that is what's in our desert that conflicts with it and blocks it and doesn't allow it expression. So being in that space of willingness to embrace those energetic patterns that inhibit, that restrict. I mean, literally, in, in the creation story where they talked about, you know, go forth and multiply and replenish the face of the earth, um, most everybody listened to the multiply command, but nobody knew yeah. that replenish meant to bring the creation to completion. Each of us has a part mm. to play, something to bring into the creation, to bring it to its fullness. That's what we're here for. We're expressions of that fullness with uh, the possibility of a will that goes against that, and that's the hostility and fear-based game. Or we get to live in who we're designed to be as love and originate, bring into the creation what's ready to come through from us as unique individuals and expand, you know, the, the uh, proper translation of the word heaven in Aramaic, or one of them at least, is the, the kingdom of expansion is within us. Mm. And these restrictions have to be processed through in order to open possibility. Layer by Step layer. Into the promised land. Baby steps. Layer by layer, yeah, yeah. Here a little, there a little. Beautiful. Uh, wow. I'm, I'm, I feel a great relief. I'm feeling a sense of tired completion coming over me and uh, mm. for this step. And I am so grateful to you, brother, for, for nice. being available. For I mean, last night speaking with, with my beloved, she said, oh, you, you, you need to talk to Michael. It's like, yay, tomorrow's Friday. Let's do it. So here we are, and I'm so grateful to you for who you are, for your work, for what you're bringing to, for this beautiful, powerful vortex connected to the divine that can just suck these things out as soon as I begin to open it. Um, uh, I'm awash. So with, with what you just said about what you were feeling physiologically, what I'd suggest when we complete this conversation is that maybe Carrie would take you through a still point session, and that will just accelerate and move things through on every level that's opened to bring it to completion. Ah, beautiful. Okay, she's nodding her head. So we're on. Sweet. Well, we'll be holding a space for it. Which part? Um, say again? I say Am we'll I be holding a space that? for it. Thank you. Thank we'll you. Hold space. There's, there's other aspects that um, that I'd like to broach with this as well, but I don't think it's not right now. I need to go into that resting place and, and 
okay. heal what's, what's moved before I bring the next step up. Yeah, you just moved so a big chunk of energy, opened a lot. So that's, I think that's wisdom is to just be in that and and have Carrie just. And uh, I, I don't know, Carrie, do you uh, do you have the energy field work? Yeah. Yes. 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 Okay. Yep. So maybe some energy field work and uh, and still point and uh, we'll be holding the space for yep. both of you. That's awesome. Thank Yay! You. Thank you, and I'll uh, I'll report in uh, upon any receipt of emails. Cool. Millions yet unborn will benefit from the work you've done today. Thank you. Aho. Thank you, brother. Aho. Ciao, ciao. All right. Bye. Carrie, do you have any thoughts for us? Turn her back on. Um, wow. Um, I, uh, on a whole other subject, I I heard your podcast the other day on quantum physics and the forgiveness process, and I thought it was really interesting. Um, do you can you elucidate on that for a minute? Or I don't want to. You know, I, basically with what Monica went through, I think it's really awesome. So I'm just standing here holding space for that. But, um, yeah, I'm excited actually to talk to you about that. I'd like to go listen to the whole thing. I only listened to part of it and maybe just call you one of these days and have a discussion about it. Quantum okay. physics in the ancient Aramaic. Awesome. Sweet. Well, as yeah. appropriate, we'll hold the space and, uh, you know, when when we recognize that there is only energy and that we were given the power of creators to bring that energy into expression, it's when they talk about metaphysics, there is no metaphysics. It's all physics. We just put it into a material world, so we thought, well, there must be something beyond the material, but it's all energy. And so right. bringing the master energy in of uh, of the presence of our human lives, of being, and then originating those energies that are in harmony with our highest and best means we're right there on the cutting edge of creation. Yes, very much so. Agreed. Yeah, it's great to hear your voice and great to hear... Your process, I always learn, I always grow, I always expand my 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 being and my um, you know my awareness of the process, just how important it is to be you know delving in and sometimes when it's our own stuff, it's harder to see, so it's always nice to have some help. Nothing like a little help from our friends. That's right. And yes, you know, we can expand that circle for and with each other. And uh, it's what it's all about, Elfie. (laughs) Yeah. I feel just like I want to be, you know, a stronger participant in helping spread this way of living to, you know, to those who are ready to hear. Well, you know, there's this, there's this old saying that says you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. 
Yeah. But you can make them true. thirsty. You can make them thirsty. Yeah. <laughs> and you make them That's thirsty scary. by demonstrating that it can be done. You know, I think one of the reasons why yeah. people go, oh, that'll never work for me. Oh, I can't do this, is they literally have tried everything, everything that they could find, and nothing works. So they go, they come to the conclusion, well, nothing must work because I've tried everything. But they haven't tried the actual work of Yeshua yet. And that's where the whole alchemy happens. Right. It's amazing. And that I mean, pers- it's really, yeah. yeah, it's so powerful. And when he speaks about, you know, as a physicist, a little leavening leavens the whole loaf. He's not, of course, talking about bread, but that each one of us that forgives as to whatever hostility or fear we hold within our structures from whatever time frame within our family systems, past, present, and perhaps future, because we're not even sure there is such a thing as past and future, whatever that all looks like, we don't need to figure it out. But when we create the space to open and process through those patterns, then I I think we'll, we'll start to see what human life is really about and what it's really for when we hit that critical mass point and, you know, seven and a half billion people wake up and go, oh, oh, I just remembered, you know what? I am the presence of love. Oh, you enemy, you are the presence of love. Why don't we get about our father's business? Why don't, why don't we get about what we were originally designed for? And, you know, the whole game changes at that point And that's going to be a pretty exciting time, I think. And I think we're getting close. I think we're yeah. close to critical mass. Yes, yes. I think we're definitely moving that direction and and getting close. Yes, I agree. It's yeah. a great wake-up time. For sure, for sure. I always find you're so articulate, of course, after 30 or 40 years of speaking this, Michael. You're just, it's just incredible. And, um, you know, sometimes I'll have somebody say to me, oh, yeah, I know it forgiveness is I do it all the time and and then you know it opens up the door because uh, what most people think they have forgiveness but they don't know what it is really so um, it is an art to communicate it and to share it um, in a way that people can can utilize it and can see their lives change well, it can be a, a challenge, too. I mean, I run into people all the time and say, oh, yeah, I forgive every day. And right, right. People, it can bring up a great deal of offense when you say, well, how do you forgive? And they go, well, you know, you just forgive. Well, you know, you just, well, you know. And it's like, no, I don't know. How do you do it? You tell me you do it all the time. How do you do it? And I've never had anybody, anybody, and, you know, and I've been doing the Aramaic forgiveness work. It's about 40, I don't know, 44, 45 years, something in that range. I have never had one person that can articulate how you forgive or how they forgive. Well, you just right. forgive. It's like, no, no, there is a technology that works. And and a lot of people become very agitated at being questioned, well, you know, who do you think you are? It's like, I don't think I'm anybody, but there's a technology. And if you're telling me you're doing it, but you don't know how it works, then you're not doing it. Here, here it is. Take it, you know, give it a shot. Right. But it uh, it can be a challenge to get 
when when somebody believes they know what something is and the truth is they don't have a clue to get them to shift into an open space you know i love one of the things dr tim says oftentimes for years on the show he said you know when i approach something i approach it as though i know nothing about it and i'm here to learn about it and that's what opens a space for new understanding and new growth so that's uh that's sometimes a challenge to get people to that place yeah and uh so joining you in uh in how we expand it you know to uh literally you know the commitment is every until this technology becomes available to every mind heart and being on the planet that's what we're here to do yes i really appreciate that and i appreciate your thousands of hours of radio shows and just the workshops and everything that you guys have done over the years to to put this out there. My my mind harkens back, Gary, to uh, Michigan and having that back porch that was our refrigerator for that intensive. (laughs) That was a great, that was a great event. That was fun. Yeah. Well, For those who don't know what I'm referring to, um, I don't know if I remember exactly. I don't know if I remember exactly. The thing I remember the most is coming to Heartland and doing a workshop there, and that was right. Really awesome. You guys aren't well, doing I'm that th- this summer, are you? Or do you know? We may do something this summer. I don't know yet. We're we're, we're toying with whether that's going to fall in place. But what I'm thinking about is the intensive we did at the facility oh, yeah, 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 where, yeah. remember, we had I a back remember. porch and you did the food. Yes, I do remember that. That was amazing. That was really fun. That was a, a pretty awesome, uh, an awesome happening, and the food was great. Thank you for that. <laughs> yes. It was sweet. And it's, it's so, so sweet to have gatherings like that where you actually bring a group of people together. And I think... Um, you know, COVID happening kind of slowed that down for people, but just being on the, um, those are some of the richest experiences of my life, I think, being in a, a group setting like that and being able to to transform and grow with a group of people because you're obviously, everybody's activating each other and, you know, our brain Definitely cells takes are it all to a whole new into, level. Yeah, it's a whole other level, absolutely. Sweet. All right, young yeah. lady. Well, what delighted that we got to chat today. Awesome. I'll go work with Monic and do some um, breath work and some processing, just clearing energy. And um, thank you so much for All right. holding the space. Just really appreciate it. Okay. I we'll know. absolutely be doing that. All right. Blessings. Take care. Bye-bye. Okay, we have so, um, nine minutes, and we have. I got a question by text, and then we also have a question by email. So, okay, let's um, go for it. The one by text said, in a sentence, <laughs> that's asking a lot of you, Michael. I'm only allowed <laughs> one sentence now. Come on now. That's not fair. Okay, I'll cancel. I need for you to be fair. <laughs> in a sentence. What do you believe happens to the spirit or the soul after the human being's physical body dies? Well, I'll breathe on that one. 
So I'm allowed one sentence for that. Hmm. If you go back to the creation story, and we've talked about this before, but there are two stories of creation that Moses tells. One is, in the image and likeness of God, he created the male and female who created them, period. And then, just a couple of sentences later, it says, Moses says, as though he forgets he talked about the creation, he says, and there was no man to till the soil. And then they talk about Adam, Adamus, the red clay. The body-mind unit is formed. The vehicle of expression. And then the two are married. And the creator breathed into Adamos, Nafsha. Nafsha was the word that was used to describe the creation of the human being. Adamos was the word that was used to describe the evolution of the so-called physical body. And then Adamos was breathed into. So the creator breathed into Adam, Adamos, the red clay, Nafsha, and Nafsha, the created spiritual being, became an incarnated spiritual being. I'm not sure exactly what you're looking for from there, but if clinical death occurs, if Nasha becomes, or pardon me, if, if Adamos becomes non-functional, then we have Nafsha. Nafsha is perhaps conscious and aware, or Nafsha is perhaps totally unconscious and relied all their lives on the carbon-based memory system of Adam. And so when Adam dies, they die in, in terms of awareness or expression. So that would be my input on it. Any thoughts for you on that one, sweetie? No, that's good. I think, you know, it's uh, the soul, the spirit has always been in existence and always will be, just be in a different form. You know, yes. it's not tied to just these flesh and bones. And, uh, yeah, just last know, like year, when, Katie and I... Yeah, that's what I was going to say. When Dad passed, yeah, we actually saw Nafsha, we saw Dad's spirit or soul go somewhere else before his body laid down and died. It was a yeah. very powerful thing to experience. But, you know, his eyes got wide, he sat straight up, and he was looking beyond us. He wasn't looking at us. And then he was yeah. gone. You know, so yeah. there is definitely... Some, somewhere that the spirit goes after it leaves the body. There's no doubt about that. Life is not dependent on a body would be the answer there. Yeah. And when and we put his body in a box in the ground, it was very clear for me that it wasn't him we were putting there. We watched him in a very sweet and uh, sacred way just leave his form behind. Yeah, the scripture says to be absent from the bodies to be present with the Lord. And I think Dad was absolutely present elsewhere before he totally left his body. So. Yep. And in Aramaic, that's what the word death means, means present elsewhere. doesn't mean gone, finished, over, kaput. means present elsewhere. So you've got an email question, uh, Sweetie? Yes. And this is from one who has emailed us before. She calls us brain shifters instead of mind shifters. Okay. And says, 
(laughs) What is your take on the Lord's Supper that's practiced by Christian churches where wine is drunk as a symbol of blood and bread is eaten as a symbol of a broken body? In the NKJV translation, it commends us to, quote, do this in remembrance of me, unquote. In some communities, they even wash each other's feet just before that's done, as the disciples did before the Last Supper. So what do you think the Aramaic, I guess, meaning is to the Lord's Supper? Well, first off, I would offer that the, um, in Aramaic, the word humility has got nothing to do with groveling the earth like a worm, as the Greeks would tell us. But rather, humility is a mental quality. And remember, this whole thing we're doing with the Enlightenment Society, we want to do the best we can do to transfer an understanding of how to, to, to be in this Aramaic mindset. So humility in Aramaic is a mental quality of being able to perceive and cooperate with, be aware of the highest and best in others. So for me, the washing of the feet would be a symbol of that being there in service to each other for our individual and collective highest and best. And I don't think, you know, in my awareness in history, I don't know of anyone who who did it quite the way Yeshua did. Kind of reminds me of that song, How Did You Get to Be So Good? Nobody Does It Better. So, Yeshua offers this space of connectedness, this space of dropping the barriers to the awareness of our unity and our connectedness as love. If we listen to Einstein, Einstein says, if you think you're separate or separated from the rest of humanity, you're living in an optical delusion. My offering that would be that in Aramaic, this body and blood is an Aramaic idiom. You know, there's a particular passage in the scriptures where a larger group of the disciples than the 12 we're typically aware of were together with Yeshua. And they asked him, what do, we, what do we do to please the Creator? What do we do to please God? And he tells them, and he tells them in an idiom, which I'll get into in a second, and half of the audience said, too hard a saying. And they turned and they left and they never came back. So, um, what can I say? Wrinkled was the energy in that situation. That Yeshua even turned to Peter and said, Peter, are you leaving too? So, what he said to them is, you must eat my body and drink my blood. Now, obviously, if it was about wine and wafers, nobody would have said too hard a saying. But eat my body and drink my blood is an Aramaic idiom for 
You must do the work that I have taught you to do. You must become the space of active love. You must face everything in yourself that keeps you from being in the integrity of the love you are created out of. Eat my body and drink my blood. And those who are in resistance said, too hard a saying and left. Now, obviously, it was about wine and wafers. They wouldn't have said too hard a saying. They'd have gone, oh, let's have some wine and a little, a little cracker here. But that wasn't it. It wasn't about... So, to do this work and that he committed to... I'll, I'll be the space. I'll be here for you to do that work. Leaves us with a description of a spiritual experience that is probably in the realm where when he spoke to the disciples, he said, there's so many things I would say to you, but you can't hear them yet. So for me, everything I've just said would be kind of the clues that would lead to opening space for each individual's comprehension of what that means. But it's so huge, it's so big, that putting it into our meager little words is kind of futile. So that would be my input on that one. And we're down to the last few seconds. I want to say thank you for joining us. Have the best year yet of your eternal life. It's an awesome gift to give the world. Blessings. Bye-bye.